0: Welcome to From the Frontline. I'm Hunter Combs. In the studio, uh, Dr. Hammond is out of the studio for the next couple of weeks. He's teaching at a Bible college, back to the Bible training college on the other side of the country. Uh, so in the studio with me is Indomiso. And Indomiso, one of his favorite topics to discuss is politics and news. Isn't that right, Indomiso?
1: That is somewhat correct.
0: <laughs> I'm always hearing these new random news stories coming out of you. I'm like, where do you hear this? And you're like, oh yeah, I was deeply searching in Twitter or something else and you'll yeah, well, find all these <laughs> interesting...
1: Tw- Twitter's the new town square, as uh, Elon Musk says it. And it's true because um, by the time you watch news on television, it's it's too old. It's like, It gets <laughs> old in dog years. So you have to keep up to date with it on Twitter. As a Christian, you need to be up to date with what's the latest that's happening that's going to affect the church. And you can't just be in your room, in your closet with your Bible, because they're going to come for you there as well. Mm. So you better be at least aware of what is
0: going on. Yeah, so you need discernment because every time we open up our phone and we see something, there's always something out there that's, we don't even know if it's true or not true or half true. But what we want to talk about is a couple of different current things on uh, in the news that the church is facing today. First, in South Africa. And then in the United States, we'll look at a couple different things. And then how do we respond to these as Christians? I think that's always a good question that we think about is how do we actually uh, respond to this? I think, yeah, we, we must think about that. So the first thing we want to talk about, maybe so you can tell us a bit about the uh, state of disaster in South Africa and what that might uh, look like or mean for the church. We can discuss that to begin with.
1: Well, the state of disaster actually elapsed, um about a month ago, some change. In and April. And um, the
0: state of disaster, what was that?
1: Right. The state of disaster was a special time frame that was supposed to have lasted three weeks uh, initially.
0: In and 2020, when the coronavirus was right. first, the new thing on the scenes. Right. In March uh,
1: 26th uh, of 2020. So it didn't... Uh, Spoiler alert, so here we are, and two years later, we're still in a state of disaster Disaster management. So now that it has expired, the government had asked for a transitional period of 30 days where the public could uh, comment on whether they think it's a good idea to amend the National Health Act with the regulations we use during COVID or not to do that. So, uh, through which organizations have been, uh, the public has been commenting, as Dear South Africa, ACTP, 4SA. These are uh, institutions dedicated to the existential uh, integrity of the South African people Mm. and to, uh, you know, uphold uh, citizen law and. You know, tyranny from government should be avoided. So what they want to do is basically take in this National Health Act amendment, they want to take all the little laws, if you call it, um, that were used in lockdown and they want to put them in this jar of the National Health Act that already exists. So Mm. they want to update that act and put all those regulations of mask wearing and vaccination Into this, so it becomes permanent and it doesn't need to be within a declared state of disaster where they get all these emergency Mm. powers. So, what would happen is when they call on it or see fit, or there's some fifth or eighth or tenth wave Mm. in 2050, they can literally, in for they don't need to declare a state of disaster, they can enforce these already existing laws because they're part of the normal uh, constitution. And the constitutional law, so they could say, "Oh, in July there's going to be a whole sixth wave, so we need to put mask put and your mask on. right, and it would be legal for you to not want to put your mask on, and mm-hmm. it would come a consequences of prison time." Whereas mm-hmm. in if if you do that now, sure a, a pick and pay or spark can draw you out, but. Ye,
0: there's no actual like legal ramifications right.
1: for it exactly they could put you they could arrest you but they did nothing would stick it just be like a, a quasi arrest or mm. uh, a quasi lawsuit like and you could go after them for that in return so that's basically what they are seeking to do so now they have opened it up because the time lapse for the transitional stage of 30 days <coughs> and Lo and behold, surprise, the ANC has no implementation plan. So what do they do? They extend it for another 90 days for comment, for public comment, which is still going to be majority negative anyway. Mm-hmm. So they just accumulate negative uh, comments uh, for from the public, but it's because they literally had no plan of action. It was just like, oh, another 30 days, there was no... Word, there's no update, no so-called family meetings. And the day came and I guess nobody was at home. So now they've extended for another 30 days because of their incompetence. And now they want to, I think, capitalize on that time as well. Because you know, a scandal came up a few weeks ago in the newspapers about how they were deleting the public comments that were sent to the, the hmm. health department. They were being dele- the emails were being deleted without being opened. Was it will show you if your email's been opened? So they were deleting it, and they weren't even opening any of the comments, mm. and it was leaked and became a, a scandal. So, one wonders: Do they really care or have any concern about what the public thinks? And do they just want to implement these weird, uh, laws, when the whole world is retreating with uh, laws and in-house and gatherings? these regulations and everything else? Right? It's like. Everyone's going backwards. We're the only country that's like, this make this permanent.
0: Well, let's let's keep these regulations going. Right. And so these regulations are for mask wearing, like mandated mask wearing. Right. For the number of gatherings of people that can gather indoors which would impact churches Uh, You can't you can't have more than I don't know what the numbers are, but X number of people in your building. So then it continues to hinder the churches from actually opening and functioning and vaccinations and then you're required vaccinations, which isn't a requirement right now. Right.
1: And rejection of the requirements could lead to prosecution uh, for you. So that's I mean, like the thing is, people think, oh, it's just 2000 indoor. No church is that big, so it doesn't matter anyway for us. But they could say they could say an any number at this time, and mm-hmm. they can enforce it for a period of time or for how, whoever knows how much. And they could say fifty again. Mm-hmm. They they don't have, they're not obliged to hold to a number. Uh, they
0: could so be, they in, can they can just do whatever they want. Right. Really. So right now we're actually in a place in South Africa where the state of disaster has ended. We shouldn't be wearing masks anymore, but we are.
1: Yeah, (laughs) there's no law right now that is compelling you to wear a mask or get vaccinated. There is nothing except just the word of, empty word of the Minister of Health and him saying this, please wear your mask. No, there's nothing that holds us to that.
0: Mm. Yeah, And so everyone's still wearing your mask, going into stores, going into shopping centers, everything else, but it's actually, it shouldn't even be a requirement anymore. I mean, th- this was done away with. The state of disaster is over. So in theory for them to try to push these laws, they're just saying, "Oh, we want to pass some sort of laws, but it's just like, oh, we have this idea in our minds, but it's not even anything real. It's right. not a reality." And so people are treating it as if it is a law, even though it's not even sort yeah. of close to being a law.
1: It's not even close. Like, for example, I could highlight what is actually wrong with the health act amendment. Forced testing, wearing of masks, medical treatment and vaccines, quarantine, extraction of bodily samples, continued limits on church and other gatherings, and the termination of your right to medical privacy. You can be jailed for up to 10 years for refusing to comply with any of the things that I've just listed. Everything will be forced and South Africans just can't agree to do this. It's just unacceptable and we will have to answer for our future generations for allowing such a time as this to go unheeded and Mm -hmm. unfought by the church. Um, We get that there are those churches that are passive about this, about obey the government and and this. But if the government is overreaching, then Mm -hmm. you do not obey the government.
0: Yeah, it's not that... It's not that we're saying, oh, we want to just be rebellious Christians and never honor the government. It's well, are the is the government telling us to do something that's actually uh, contrary to what the Word of God's telling us? We shouldn't forsake the assembling together of the saints. I mean, all throughout church history, people have been meeting together through the Black Plague and other times. That's when the church stepped up and said, let's actually do more. Let's let's reach out and love. I mean, right. the, the church should be a place for people to come. People are depressed. People are feeling hopeless. And where do you go? I mean, people are more spiritually open than ever. Well you exactly. turn to the Lord, you turn to God in this time, but it said, Oh no, sorry, the churches can't be open. Yeah. So it's leaving people, of course, <laughs> with atheistic worldviews. They don't believe in God. They don't have any hope. And oh, and the church is closed down. Where can they go? I mean, this is this is a perfect time for the church to actually reach out with the gospel right. to these people. It's the perfect time and it's been disappointing to see some churches that have
1: just close down, even in times like these when there's no law that's constraining us to close down. But as soon as there's one case in the church, they shut the whole church down. Like mm. one of our sister churches this weekend was supposed to have church. The pastor had COVID and then church was closed. Mm. I mean, I mean, yeah. what, what are you there for if one... Flu is in a one person, a flu is going to shut the whole church down. Mm. Then, what is the power of God? Mm. What is what is the peculiarity of the church? Mm. Like, we just, uh, what a workplace. You know, yeah, it's just don't,
0: don't we trust in God that God is going to protect us, that God is sovereign, that God is uh, on his throne, that he's going to work mightily to overcome this. And he wants us to be a salt and light during this time. Certainly we're supposed to be stepping out and, and reaching out and showing the love of Christ. And I mean, even if we say yes, okay, coronavirus is as bad as they say it is. Right. Even if we suppose that we should still (laughs) be moving forward and allowing people into our churches and, and making it so because the deeper problem is a sin issue. It's where are these people spiritually? It's not, Oh, we want to prevent their, Death, everyone's going to die, whether COVID or someday they die of old age, all of us are going to die. It's are we in a right state before God? Right. And so the churches need to be the ones filling in that gap. Exactly.
1: We cannot be preaching about trusting in God to Gentiles and unbelievers, and yet we succumb to the same fears and pressures that they feel, and we retreat the same way they do. Mm. So, what is so uh, grandiose and special about us. We are set apart. We are a peculiar people, a holy nation. So, especially as a church, you do not close a church on account of the government when we know that from our word in the Bible and what our Lord said, that the government is going to be the one that's going to be persecuting us mm. in some near future, uh, extremely well here in the westernized world that's already happening in the East. So why would we be working in tandem with with government when they are doing the most to shut us down? Mm -hmm. The COVID laws have affected no other body or part of society more than have affected the church. And for us to assist the government in oppressing us is just the worst form of Christianity
0: we could ever practice. And that's absolutely true. I mean, the churches have been impacted more than anyone. I mean, we look at uh, restaurants or clubs or bars or other things, they'll be open and no social distancing. But then you step into a church and you'll see all sorts of I mean, this is during uh, the last couple of years, and you'll go into a church and then you'll see social distancing and like very compliant to the rules. But (laughs) whereas you go 10 minutes later into one of these other uh, restaurants or pubs or something like that, and you'll just see a complete opposite, like right. uh, disregard for the rules. And no one's cracking down on them in the same way, but it's the church. The church is really, they're coming down on them and they're being very compliant. So right. it's it's something we have to really think about how we respond to as a church. Of course, we we are called to honor the government to um, to honor those laws that are put in place. I mean, we don't want to just go recklessly driving on the road and endanger people's lives. But then there's certain instances, okay, well, we want to be respectful of people. We want to be sure we're not uh, endangering anyone's life. But at the same time, we need to fulfill the call of the gospel, which is to be salt and light right. that's in true. the world. Amen. So <clears throat> that's just a couple things for you to think about with what's happening in South Africa today. Um, and we'd like to switch now to talking about some world news for those who are in South Africa or what's happening in the United States of America in the Supreme Court that just uh, this information that was leaked uh, last week, Monday.
1: Yeah, if you could just um, run us down on what happened with that, uh, Hunter, because we know whatever happens in the USA gets exported to um, different countries around the world like South Africa. So, A big reversal of a law like Roe v. Wade is monumental. That was a Mm. landmark decision in 1973 where um, the Supreme Court interpreted the Constitution as restricting states, which have states' rights, restricting them from making laws that could negatively affect pro-abortion choices. Mm. So what is going on there?
0: Yeah, so this is one of the most paramount issues or one of the biggest issues that's happened in the U.S. judicial system probably in the last 50 years. And, of course, that's the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. Um, since 1973, since Roe v. Wade was legalized, 60 million legal abortions have occurred. Those are just the ones on the books. 60 million. Uh, that's insane. When we think on about this uh, in the last several years, we look at some statistics. In 2020, 908,000 babies were killed in the U.S. Uh, That's actually up from the previous year in 2019 of 887,000 abortions. Um, But when you think about this number, those are just numbers on paper, but let's think about this in reality. What number of people, babies, are we talking about here that have been legally killed through the act of abortion? To give you an idea for South Africans listening to this, Uh, In Cape Town, we have an arena that was made for the 2010 World Cup that houses 55,000 people. So 900,000 in 2020 were aborted. That's the equivalent of having 16 and a half of those stadiums filled where every seat would be occupied by a dead baby. Right. 16 stadiums full, 16 and a half stadiums full of dead babies just in 2020. That's an insane amount of dead children. And yet, when we think about 60 million that have been aborted since 1973, well, the population of South Africa is 59.3 million people. My goodness. That's more than the entire population of South Africa. Imagine if we could do a quick survey over all of South Africa, and every single person you saw was a dead baby. Mm. And then plus 700,000. That's how many. There's an entire country missing of people. Right. Just from abortions in the United States since 1973. I mean... This is an insane issue. I mean, this is a silent genocide of our next generation. To have 60 million people dead? (laughs) I mean, what what are we actually facing? And so on Monday of last week, uh, the news site Politico published a leaked document of the Supreme Court of the United States that argues for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So basically, this leaked document says the Supreme Court has actually come in favor of deciding that they're going to roll back what Roe v. Wade decided. Now, in the states, you have every different state has their own constitution and their own laws and their own regulations. And so in many states, there's actually in their constitution, abortion is illegal. Right. Yet, when this issue happened, when this court case took place in 1973, it created a precedent to allow abortions to take place against the constitutional law of different states. Right. So the Supreme Court is now coming up with a ruling in which can overrule the state's constitutional rights of, no, 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 we, we believe abortion is illegal and it should be prosecuted as murder or however, however the states have right. decided to pass laws. Yet because of one court case, it undoes it. But the court was never meant to create laws. It's was meant to interpret them. It's meant to interpret the Constitution, Constitution and say, is this a constitutional right? Is this in line with the Constitution? No, it's not a constitutional right in the United States. Right. And so what this draft a uh, portion of this draft document says that's been leaked, it says it's time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. This is what the Constitution and the rule of law demand. So these are there's nine Supreme Court, Supreme Court Justices. Five of them are conservative leaning and so this is the document they're writing they're saying it's time to push back this roe v wade the court should never have authority or jurisdiction to actually say this is what we can do we can just oh overturn states laws no rather the power belongs in the state right not on the national level <clears throat> and according to ben shapiro he was saying this draft opinion which is almost certainly authentic in fact i think the supreme court has actually come out and said it is authentic right <laughs> Uh, it's the reversal, it would amount to the reversal of abortion laws to the state level where it originally resided. This is an overturning of what's happened for the last uh, 50 oh, almost years. 50 years. Yeah. And so the document concludes saying this it says, abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. So, in other words, each state has the right to decide. Do we want to allow abortion? Right. Do we want to make it illegal? Do we want to allow it? And I mean, you go across different states in the US and there's marijuana is legal in some states. In other states, it's illegal. Same-sex marriage is legal in some states. It's illegal in other states. Right. And so each state can decide now. They're saying, we're just removing this and saying it's down to the state level again. And they said, we now overrule these decisions of Roe v. Wade in another case of Planned Parenthood versus Casey in uh, 1992 and return the authority to the people and the elected representatives. So if this goes through, which this is just a draft decision so far, if this goes through, right now, roughly 26 of the 50 United States would, abortion would almost instantly become illegal. And that would be a huge win a huge overturn for the pro-life cause in the states I mean, right. this is in this is incredible this is something could possibly we never happen. would
1: see in our lifetime
0: <laughs> yeah something we never thought we'd see i mean people have been praying against abortion people have been praying for the rights of unborn babies and wow this is actually possibly becoming a reality that's true yeah it's it's pretty amazing so this effectively again takes the power away from the court and puts it back into the hands of the people um, this is really the result of hundreds of thousands of prayers that have taken place. Um, the Catholics have had, non every year have had prayer vigils since 1979, uh, praying against this sin. And many others, Protestants, Evangelicals, across the years have been praying consistently and fervently that God would push back the hand of people who love to shed blood. And it makes me think of Psalm 89, which says, "Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne; steadfast love and faithfulness go before you." So God's throne is founded on righteousness and justice. We're, we're meant to call call people to justice for these children who are being abused. They're not even being abused; they're being mercilessly slaughtered and right, murdered. In I mean, atrocious ways. It's, it's it's horrendous. All in the say, all in the name of women's, what is it, rape, reproductive rights. That's what they call it. They, they can have reproductive rights. And so because of your reproductive rights, you can kill your child that's within your womb. It's really horrendous Right, it is. it's taken place.
1: And of course, uh, no good deed goes unpunished because um, the mobilization of the left and the radicals has got them visiting uh hmm the Supreme Court justices' homes and protesting outside, which in itself is an illegal act in itself and against federal law where you yeah. cannot influence a judge uh, or intimidate, which is what they are doing. they're going mm. to the, the houses of Brett Kavanaugh and all the other justices and they're intimidating them by protesting outside their house. The fact that they knew the addresses in itself is an illegal act because mm. somebody doxed, the address of the conservative justices so the public code and protest so mm-hmm. there's so much happening in reverberation to the you know, suggested repeal potential repeal of Roe v. Wade uh, there's so much happening to put pressure on the justices to, to change their mind and to conform but mm. they haven't budged so far and do you see any good sense you think they'll stay like that or?
0: Yeah that's That's the funny thing is, so this is a draft that's been leaked. This isn't the final verdict. And that's really what many are saying is the bigger issue here is that it's not that Roe v. Wade is possibly being overturned. It's that the Supreme Court has actually somehow, there's been a leak of information from the Supreme Court. And the SCOTUS blog, which is the Supreme Court of the United States, their blog says this, it says, it's impossible to overstate the earthquake this will cause inside the court in terms of the destruction of trust among the justices and staff. This leak is the gravest, most unforgivable sin. Basically, this is the Supreme Court, the highest court in the United States. This is where justice is meant to reign and rule. And yet they're just letting these decisions go out to the public. I mean, this is, illegal in the highest degree i right. mean even if this was a lesser court case if you're a juror on a on a court i mean you're you're sworn to so many uh acts of confidentiality well these court cases are in hearing you can be thrown in prison right. for just discussing lower lesser like state level cases no this is the supreme court the and someone has leaked this information i mean this person ought to be perse- prosecuted, not persecuted. <laughs> ought to be prosecuted right. for this happening. And so what people have been saying is, well, why is this information leaked? Right, it should it's, not be. It's to put pressure on the justices. As you said, right. they're actually going, some are actually going and visiting the homes of these justices. I mean, that's certainly, I mean, what for what reason? That's putting sort of their life in jeopardy, yeah. in danger. Like, oh, people are coming to my home. Uh, to push, sort of push back and put pressure on them that they might... Sort of go back and say, "Oh no, no, no! Let's not do this." Right. Um, but I don't, I don't think. I think it's pretty clear that unless something radical happens, I don't see this decision being overturned because five of the justices are conservative and are going for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. What are your thoughts? Well, you I
1: think it's interesting that the same people that are screaming that we should be forced to vaccinate for the safety of and the good of the people. Uh, and it's not a personal decision, the government has the right to dictate to us. On our the same ones turning around and saying we are taking their their medical choice away Mm. and we are, like I saw a tweet from the Vice President of the United States saying if this is allowed to happen, that means the government is interfering in a woman's personal medical choice. And I'm like... (laughs) Are you reading what you're saying, the hypocrisy of that? Mm. When you guys forced vaccines on state workers and you use companies to force it on their employees and now you want to complain that, oh, no, the government is is getting involved in a woman's personal choice and right to choose. They shouldn't be able to legislate against women. And another argument I've been hearing is men shouldn't have the option to legislate on women's health oh my word. or women's bodies. So if that was the case, then the Roe v. Wade decision should have never happened in the first place because it was <laughs> an all-men panel of justices that decided we are going to make uh, a law prohibiting mm. the states from banning abortion. So that alone is circular reasoning. And yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's interesting to also find out that now we know that only women can get pregnant. Hmm. As activists have been saying, it's a woman's right to choose. You're taking bodily autonomy away from women. But in the previous weeks, they've been pushing that men can also get pregnant. I mean, WhatsApp released an emoji with the preg- pregnant man oh my word. in the blue shirt. Um, yeah, so it's, <laughs> they were advocating about how men can get pregnant. And there were documentaries on Netflix called... Um, I don't know what it was called, the name was called, but it was about following a docuseries, following this couple where the man was actually giving birth. And, uh, you know, it was just being pushed that, oh, men in sports, like transgender men, men in, in sports, sports in, being in, as women, yeah. Exactly. So now, with all the outrage, it's like that's been forgotten. Mm. So sense has come back, which shows that this is not genuine when they push these agendas. Mm. They're just going with the flow to appease a yeah. certain crowd but men cannot be pregnant mm. men will never will be pregnant and I guess Roe v. Wade being repealed is going to expose that because in the next coming months you're going to see activism on how females right to choose has been impeded on by the government mm. so that is quite interesting Yeah,
0: but that's I mean that's crazy reasoning that's saying based on your gender you can't actually determine what true justice is right. based on, oh, you're the wrong gender to determine that this is murder. I mean, it really comes down to what is abortion. Let's just be clear. Abortion is the taking of an unborn baby's life. Right. It's the murder of a baby within the mother's womb. I mean, imagine uh, a child comes up to his mom and says, hey, mommy, can I kill this? Well, she's uh, cleaning dishes at the kitchen sink. What's the mom's first question going to be to that child? Uh, What? Kill what? (laughs) Uh, It's going to be a different answer if he has a spider in his hand or he has his little sister. (laughs) Can I kill this? Uh, Well, the spider, okay, sure, go for it. But the little sister, uh, no, you can't kill your little sister. And so that really needs to be the first question. When someone says, can I kill this? Well, what is it? (laughs) Right. And so that should be the question with abortion. Can I kill this? Uh, What are we talking about? And so they've had to redefine what an unborn child is, what a baby within its mother womb is. Oh, it's just a fetus. It's a blob of tissue. Right. Oh, it's. So they're trying to. But the real issue is were they ever an unborn? Were they ever a blob of tissue? Right. Were they ever a fetus? Every single person who is living and breathing on this earth was at one point a one celled embryo within their mother's womb. Right. And how would they feel if we didn't defend their right to life every person has the right to life right and it shouldn't be in the hands of the mother to decide oh well i don't i don't find this convenient to have this child so we can kill this child right i mean that's that's a crazy line of argumentation
1: all right so the question i would like to ask and i'm sure people want to know as well that are uh, unactivated is why now why all of a sudden What was stopping this decision from being made before? Is there anything that happened in between the build-up? It's been 49 years. Why is the Supreme
0: Court now coming out with this? Why didn't the Supreme Court do this years ago? Right. Well, Supreme Court justices are appointed for life. Um, And before this, uh, there's nine, sorry, there's nine Supreme Court justices overall. And before this, there were more liberal justices. Uh, Before Trump took office, Uh, there were more liberal Supreme Court justices. Since Trump took office, he appointed, I believe, two uh, new Supreme Court justices who are conservative. Um, And so that has sort of pushed or swayed the court in favor of the conservative side. So you have five conservative Supreme Court justices and four liberals. So this really uh, created an opportunity now for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it hasn't happened up to this point is because you've had... Liberal Supreme Court justices are the majority liberal Supreme Court justices, mm-hmm. and so now it's been pushed in a direction where it can be actually overruled by the conservatives. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, does that answer your question?
1: No, it does definitely answer the question because it it just came out of nowhere. I woke up one day in the morning, and there's a story that was leaked to Politico. You know, it was just out yeah, of the crazy. blue.
0: Well, I think all of us were completely shocked <laughs> right. that this even came onto the scene. Wait, what? The yeah. Su- the Supreme Court is overturning Roe v. Wade? Like, none of us thought that. Exactly. You'd you know. sooner hear, think you'd hear, there's an alien invasion happening on planet Earth. You're like, oh, okay. Well. Exactly. Or but-
1: <laughs> China being held accountable for the coronavirus, which doesn't seem to <laughs> really ever happen. So what are some of the reasons and excuses or justifications from pro-abortionists or pro-debtors, as I call them, to keep abortion happening or have an option to abort and murder a child.
0: Mm. So you can sort of simplify down the pro-choice position or those who want to be have the freedom to commit abortions uh, to a simple acronym that's SLED. That's size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. So these four issues basically help narrate the reasons why people say, well, we should be able to kill a child. We should be able to abort a fetus, as they call it. Well, first off, we've already said a child in their mother's womb is not just a fetus. It's a, a child. It's an image-bearer of God. This is someone who bears the image of God, as the scriptures clearly say. Um, so let's think about the first argument. Well, we can abort a child because of their size. They're so small. It's a tiny little speck. It's just some cells within the mother. Okay, but what about... A Six month old, mm. they're so small, and I mean, uh, certainly we can kill them. So, can we go around killing small people or killing uh infants, killing two months old, killing three day old babies? Because oh, it's so small and insignificant, right? No, of course not. When you take the logic to a further degree, it's, right? So, it's it, conclusion, it's, it's not a good justification for murder. Well, level of development, oh, it doesn't even have brain activity. It's not even a heartbeat. I mean, it's just like this unfeeling blob. Uh it's it's a level of development. Okay. Again, apply the same logic to a child, to a newly born child. Well, this one week old, I mean, it can't even read. It can't talk. Can it I mean, dies. it can't even it can't even say, "Oh, ouch, this hurts." It just "weee." Right. That's all it does. I mean, come on. It's not and developed poop. at all. Yeah. And poop. <laughs> well, think about it also to another degree. Okay, apply that same logic to level of development. What about people with special needs that are handicapped and have other learning disabilities? Can we just go around killing them Right. because they're not developed enough? What about people who aren't as educated? Who gets to decide what level of development means you have the right to live? I mean, what if you apply this logic r- rationally and across the board? Well, d- d- according to your level of development, we can kill you. Right. I mean, if you take that to now people who are born and living (laughs) among the real world, I mean, that becomes some pretty scary justification for murder.
1: Yeah, and that's happened in the past with previous regimes. Mm. Margaret Sanger, all of them have tried to do that, eliminate the weeds of humanity, as they call them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so development isn't a good reason why we should be able to kill you. Uh, the next reason they give to justify abortion is your environment. Well, the t- unborn baby is isn't valuable it's not we don't need to protect that life because it's hidden within the mother's womb. I mean it's part of the mother's body so where are the baby's located. But can you apply that to same logic to someone who's been locked up in a closet for their whole life? Would it be okay to go around killing people who have been abusively locked in weird places or imagine well everyone who isi- resides in an alleyway we can kill we can murder simply because of their location and their dwelling place was an unfavorable one i mean and this is what we're is being given for justification for murder there's no magic that happens when a baby travels 7 inches down the birth canal into the real world i mean it's still a baby it was a baby before it's a baby afterwards it's really? just changed its the environment now it's no longer in the mother's womb. It's outside the mother's womb. So you can't use that as a justification. And the final justification used is degree of dependency. Well, they'd say, well, but without the mother or the unborn baby, the fetus would, it wouldn't survive. It's sort of this parasite sucking life from the mother's body. Well, actually, it's it's being fed. It's being nurtured. It's being taken care of by its mother. It's the way that God designed it to right. be. And again, you apply that same level of logic to a child. My six-month-old, well, it's it's dependent on the mother to live. It's dependent on us to feed the thing oh, three times a day. <laughs> and we have to change its nappies. Oh, and it actually, it, this baby needs to nurse and all these other things. It's so dependent. So in that case, can we go around killing three-month-old? I mean, in that case, six-year-olds are pretty dependent on their right. parents too. So if people are dependent... Uh, on others then you can kill them so it's very easy to see once you logically look through all these things size isn't a good reason to kill someone level of development their environment and the degree of dependency this is no good reason to kill a baby and as the psalmist says in psalm 139 every single person in their mother's womb is uniquely created by god and is bestowed with dignity by their creator And this is what David says in Psalm 139. He says, For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. There is dignity that every person has because God created us. We're not just blobs of tissue. We're image bearers of God within our mother's wombs. And we see it consistently throughout scripture. This is the dignity that God has bestowed on us. So as believers, the scriptures are clear at the moment of conception, we are unique image bearers of God that are made in the image of God. And we have dignity and worth and value in God's eyes. Therefore, we should protect these unborn children. And it's such a blessing that God has allowed this um, court case to possibly go through that the Supreme Court could actually be overturning this. Every Christian should be fighting for the rights of unborn children. We need people who stand up for the rights of unborn children.
1: That's true, and those people are going to come from the church, mostly. Uh, We know that in America, the Catholic Church heads the movements of the pro-lifers, and in South Africa, you know, it's from the Protestants that we take upon ourselves to do the marches for life, to do the counseling to mothers in crisis, pregnancies, and, you know, we provide options to those mothers who have those situations where they cannot uh, afford the child, you know, so those situations come from, you know, a world overtaken by sin and death and evil and despair, and we are a city on a hill that's supposed to be encouraging. So we need to keep up with the affairs that happen in this world, whether it's National Health Act, Um, on COVID regulations which are going to adversely affect the church or it's Supreme Court decisions within the USA which are exported to the rest of the world. We need to keep an alert eye out on all these matters. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. And so we hope that this has helped you think a bit more clearly about some of these issues that we face in the world today, how we can respond as believers, how we ought to respond as believers. We need to be consistently rooted in grounded in the scriptures so that we can actually address these issues, that we know what's going on, but then we also think about how does God want us to respond to these things, that we stand up for the church to be salt and light in the world, even when the government says that we must shut our doors, and that we stand up for the rights of unborn children, and that we have compassion on these mothers. And unfortunately, we didn't get much time to touch on that, how we actually, the church should come around these mothers. But that's a conversation for another day. Right. But thank you so much for joining us. We hope this has been helpful to you as you listen to some of these different current events in South Africa and the United States and think critically about it, how we can respond as the people of God. Good night and God bless.
1: Amen.